Hey everybody, you're listening to Top Quartile, where we bring you stories from the front lines of growth in community-focused financial services. Welcome back to Top Quartile. Uh, DG, it's so great to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, to get started, let's talk about, um, you know, just a little bit about your background, what you're doing now. Uh, sure. I, uh, I was a uh, CMO for a $2 billion credit union for 39 years. Of course, it wasn't $2 billion at the time I started. It was $100 million. And, uh, and at the end of 2021, I repurposed and uh, started working with a, a, a former uh, direct report of mine who's now the CEO of a credit union in Florida. And he and I were brainstorming last year uh, about what could we do to give back to the industry. And, uh, and one of the things I enjoyed so much doing, uh, in, during my credit union work was I love doing startups. Uh, I created a lot of different types of organizations, uh, while being a credit union employee, uh, that complemented what we were doing. And, uh, and so we came together and, uh, we decided to start credit union leaders. Uh, and it's a nonprofit credit union leadership outreach that we want to help build credit union leadership competency in our industry. And so the question is, well, why do you want to do that? Well, when I got involved in credit unions, we had over 18,000 credit unions operating uh, in the U.S. And uh, right now, we're, we're maybe at about 4,800. And we believe that by building leadership sustainability in the credit union ranks, we can turn the tide of losing our credit unions because our communities and our members need us. And that's why we're very committed to building up leadership competence. Awesome. And so maybe on a personal level, what's one fascinating fact that most people don't know about you? Uh, well, uh, there's, uh, there's probably a couple of those. Uh, I, I think one that might stand out is that I created and co-founded the National Association of Community Credit Unions. Uh, which we uh, were able, we ran for about eight or nine years. And then uh, our board at the time decided it would be prudent to go underneath the fold of uh, CUNA. So we did that. Uh, uh, it became part of CUNA back in uh, 2008. And, uh, but uh, we became a community credit union. It was one of the ways that we thought was, we, we were one of the first uh, to become a community credit union. Uh, and uh, we decided that we need to build up a competency there and have uh, a group that uh, that's what they did, what they talked about. Because prior to that, most credit unions were uh, employer-based mm-hmm. at the time. And so we had to learn how to become more community-oriented and community-actioned and investing in our communities, but at the same time becoming innovative and growth-oriented also. And, and we're recording this the week of CUNAGAC. So, yes, we are. Awesome. Well, yeah, what man, what a what a fantastic background and uh, a lot of great uh, perspective in this industry. So talk about more about that mission of CU leaders to help the help the growth in the industry. Uh yeah, that uh that's a, that's a great point. Um we believe inherently that if uh, you're called, and I believe leadership is a calling mm-hmm. uh, because not everybody can lead. Um, 
is that growth and innovation have to be a big part of that output if you're in leadership. So we concentrate on the leadership issues that support growth and innovation. And those typically revolve around people and not tasks. So, uh, so plainly, uh, and I have here in front of me, uh, let me talk a little bit about what we, what we think leadership is. Please. And, and that's the process of influencing and guiding individuals or credit unions toward the achievement of a goal or goals. So it involves the ability to motivate, inspire, uh, and direct others and also to make decisions. But then what we call the, uh, personal uh, qualities, things like making this, uh, like empathy and emotional intelligence and vision and integrity. And if you notice those, those aren't the hard skills. Uh, those mm-hmm. are the soft skills. And those are the skills that really help an organization or in our case, credit unions grow and innovate. And that's what we're very, very much focused on are those. So that, that, that's kind of, you know, our mission. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. You know, I, 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 I you know, add a, add a caveat to that. We're not about management per se. You know, management is a different competency than leadership, but we feel like there's a lot of the management competency already in credit unions. But what we see lacking is a leadership competency. Wow. And so you're going to get on this, but maybe what are some of those big trends or issues you see as common across the industry? Wow. Uh, There's some, there's some major, major big trends and issues right now. I would say one of the biggest ones that I'm seeing is uh, the competition from fintech companies. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're rising up and they're really becoming increased competition for credit unions. And the thing about these fintech companies is that they offer innovative and very convenient financial services that attract the younger generations. And that's been a real weakness in the credit union industry is how, how do they become relevant to the younger generations? And these fintech companies are doing a fantastic job because these generations coming up, all they know is fintech companies because they're, mm-hmm. they're the first generations to grow up in the digital age. And, you know, if you're not affect, if you're not attracting the younger members, uh, that's going to affect your membership growth. And the bottom line, if you're not membership growing, is revenue. So that that's one of them. Another one would be um, the digital transformation that's going on. Uh, the first quarter of 2020, uh, the uh, pronosticators were saying that, you know, we were looking at a five or seven year uh, time frame in which uh, financial institutions would need to be, you know, completely and totally digital. Well, we saw that happen in five to seven months in 2020. Uh, Financial institutions who had the leadership capability and had the wherewithal to do it became digitally competent quickly. And it showed that it could be done quickly. And, uh, but, you know, you've got to have online banking. That's not a, you know, whether you do it or not, you have to have online banking. You've got to have a mobile app because, um, right here, this, this is the branch of today. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're, if you ever go to a restaurant and you're sitting there, just look around. Everybody at every table is on their phone, uh, doing some kind of business or social media or whatever. So digital transformation is important because it provides convenience and accessibility because right now the consumer has all the power. 
And so what you've got to do is make sure that your product and service is available to them 24-7. Because if you don't, your competition is going to eat your lunch. Yeah, and and we're talking about this key growth driver and then the focus, your passion for leadership development. You know, what's maybe some of the same things or things that are different in, in leading in the digital age? Well, uh, number one, you've got to invest in the technology. Yep. Um, yeah. you, you see, sometimes we get overly obsessed with uh, operational issues and forget about technology, which is a subset of obviously of operations. But you've got to have uh, the technology competence and you've got to invest in technology because technology is what improves the member experience. It reduces costs. And uh, it helps you compete, you know, with the larger financial institutions because, you know, if I've got a great member experience digitally, I'm competing with the best of the best of, you know, the multi-billion dollar global financial institutions. And that's where you've got to be, especially to attract this younger generation. So, you know, you've got to have digital payments. You've got to have new account opening. You've got to have all of that to compete uh, today. Yeah. And then, and so if the, if the credit union can offer what people are expecting from a tool perspective, but but, deli- but deliver it with the heart and the passion for the member and the community that we know is so important in credit unions, that's, that's, a, that's a winning combination, right? Oh, very much so. Because if you're investing in technology, uh, then that opens the door for, you've got to be a product innovator. I mean, you've got to introduce new products and services to attract new members. Yep. You know, a share account and a shared draft account, they've, they've been around for decades. But that's not how fintech companies have been able to open up the can and explode with growth. They've done it with digital convenience and making it yep. easy for you to do business with it. For instance, if I'm a customer at Target, they've got their red card. And if I, yep. and if I sign up for that red card, you don't have my interchange income from using my debit card. Right. If I'm a PayPal user or a Venmo user, they've got their own credit card and debit cards and they're cross-selling this younger generation left and right. And you don't even know which one of your uh, folks are using that. Your members are using that. And then uh, I would also say uh, that we're looking at strategic partnerships. I think that's very, very important uh, because we can't do it by ourselves. And so we've got mm-hmm. to partner with either other financial institutions, fintech companies, community organizations in order to expand our reach, you know, to whatever our target markets are at that particular time and creating more value. And so that's that's really, really important uh, in doing this. Yeah, and, and so you touched a little bit on understanding the member behavior and you know intersection. You know, that's really a that's really sort of a data analysis question, right? You know, understanding uh, what's happening. It and is, then, and then using data to drive the strategy to drive growth. So, talk talk a little more about you know kind of some leadership best practices and sort of creating a culture and a data driven uh, revenue growth engine. That, that is a great question. And I think that's a question that every credit union has got to ask themselves today. Uh, and that is, uh, when I started in credit unions, um, uh, you know, 
I used to have to send in a query to our data department and they'd give me a big old pile of green bar paper. And I used to have a whole floor of that back in the day because innately I realized as a, as a marketer that, uh, in order to be highly targeted and get the results that our strategic plan required, I needed to know our member as best, as best possible, you know, anything about their behavior and what they did, how they interacted with, you know, with us and with other financial institutions. But at the end of my career, uh, we had be- become a very data-driven department. And, uh, and so I would say the first thing to answer your question is that you've got to establish a data-driven culture. That's first. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you can uh, you know, get into a contract with a data provider. But if your culture isn't ready for that, you're wasting your time and your money. So mm-hmm. it's about, does, does my C-suite leadership understand the importance of, you know, data, d- developing a data-driven culture? And that, that extends throughout the whole organization. Every department has to be data-driven uh, with yep. that. And it, and it encourages data-driven decision-making. That's why you got to have the culture because not mm-hmm. every department is making decisions based on the data. Yeah. And, and, and like I was telling you beforehand, uh, the data tells you everything that you need to know. And so we've got to train every department. We got to train every employee how to use data and the analytic tools. Because if it's only at the top, you're not going to go anywhere. I mean, I don't mean to be. Yep you know, blunt about that, but, but the data has to be used throughout the organization. All of your leadership has to understand data-driven tools, the analytics, and how to, you know, develop action-oriented strategies in their particular area that support the strategic plan. And so what we have, to, in order to do that, you've got to provide relevant data to everybody in the organization and, uh, and then empower them to make data-driven decisions. So that's the first thing, you know, to answer your question. You got to develop a data driven culture. Mm-hmm. And then you got to look at data integration because different departments have different types of, of uh, data that, that they're receiving. But you've got to be able to bring that together and have, you know, the various sources uh, and gain a complete understanding of the members' needs and behaviors. You know, bring them into one source that everybody's querying because sometimes it just, you know, it depends on, you know, what what your particular software is saying, but it's, but it's built on different parameters. So, you know, marketing can go in and drive a query and come up with something. Accounting can go in and drive a query and come up with something yep. else. So what you want to make sure is that everybody is querying off the same data. So that's very, very important. And then uh, another thing that I would say is predictive analytics. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's the next thing after that. Is that, you know, and there you identify patterns and trends and member behavior. And what this helps the credit union do is anticipate the members' needs and then offer relevant products and services. Like, for instance, um, in our area, uh, we were using uh, predictive analytics. And what we were able to do is, is that, you know, based on their credit card and their debit card behavior the previous day, for instance, like let's say uh, we we saw a particular member 
uh, in Home Depot or Lowe's or some home improvement vehicle, we knew that there was probably something going on at the house and based on their debit behavior and where they were spending. And so what we would do is the very next day, if they were doing all of this on a Tuesday, on Wednesday, we would mail out a direct mail piece for a home equity loan based on their behavior the day before. That's, that's real time meeting yep. their needs. Another incidence is uh, a bride-to-be. You could see a bridal um, shower or a ring or a dress shop or a bakery or whatever on their debit or credit card. And so what we would drop to them the next day, because we would get this information the next morning looking at the behavior, and then we would send them, you know, if they weren't using our credit card, a credit card application or, you know, some sort of lending product to help them with that particular product or service. And then lastly, I would say uh, continuous improvement uh, because yep. that's that's constantly measuring and analyzing your data-driven performance metrics, you know, to identify areas for improvement. So this also helps credit unions make those data-driven decisions that improve revenue growth over time. Yeah, very well said. And, and of course, that's that's something that we uh, spend a lot of time with and and help, you know, apply predictive capabilities, not just what, based on what the credit union's data, but based on how does that data compare to peers and what else. And because there's, you know, if you're, if you're developing a predictive model, um, it, it, it's, if you're training it on 300 data sets, that's, that's going to be a richer model than one that's on one. And so we really see that value of, of applied predictability of coming in quickly, um, uh, collaborating with the with the credit union, providing tag- tangible, monetizable uh, opportunities, and then you know, in 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 really identifying very quickly those things, and uh, like you know, like you said, what are the uh, what does the data say uh, based on that broader perspective, and then also translating that into tangible, measurable uh, actions, and so that's yeah. you know, I think that's yeah. a great point because remember. Our competition is doing it right now. That's right. There were direct mail pieces mailed out today because they knew the behavior, the purchase behavior of their customer yesterday. The question is, as we as credit unions, are we keeping up with that? And again, that's a leadership issue because that's that's why we're so big on this is that we want to make sure that credit users are sustainable and that they're around for the long haul. And I want to reiterate this. Our communities... And our members need credit unions to exist and be sustainable. And this is a way to do that. And, and so when you think about building that culture and that capability, how, how do you think about or how do you, what are some of the best practices in, in effective leaders doing? And are, are they hiring all these skills and competencies as part of a full-time team or is it a mixture of, of full-time employees and well, I think I think it's a mixture. Team. I think yeah. that's a great question. I think it's a mixture. I think your your very large credit unions, I would say five billion or more mm-hmm. in assets, are, are probably hiring the competency onto their staffs. Eighty uh, percent of credit unions are three hundred million or less, and mm-hmm. so I think what what the best practice there is collaboration. You know, uh, it's expensive if you go out and try to hire your own data scientists. 
you know, mm-hmm. or your da- data engineer or any of those types of uh, uh, data positions. But what you can do is partner with data groups like yourselves and others uh, that we use. We did yep. not use you at the time. I was not aware of you at the time. But uh, it's important to have that collaborative spirit where you're building those relationships and you're getting that expertise quickly. You can't yep. wait around for a startup because, again, remember, the biggest banks in the world are snatching our members away, our, especially our younger ones, and they're attracting them. We're not even getting them because we're not offering these tools to them because they're so used to having data and having things instantly on their phone. And so we, we have to adapt to that changing reality. Very well said. And so where, you know, we talked a lot about sort of where the landscape is. Where do you see the lands, the growth landscape going for credit unions? I.e., if you had to sort of, you know, use your crystal ball, uh, what are the skills and capabilities that are really essential to have a plan in place, you know, for 12, 24, 36 months down the road? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a fantastic question. Um, I think that you've got to have a, obviously, you've got to have great leadership. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're seeing more tools for that in that, uh, you know, we, we've got to separate leadership from management. Management yep. is not leadership and leadership is not management. And we've got to produce great leaders at the helms of our credit unions. And once we get great leadership up there, and that's, again, those are those great soft skills that we were talking about, uh, being able to motivate people and inspire people and have empathy and emotional intelligence and integrity and character. You know, all of those are not management issues, but our leaders have got to be able to have their own self-discipline and self-direction. Uh, because uh, another issue that I'm seeing is mental health in the workplace is directly affected by who your leadership is and their understanding of workforce issues and the emotional issues and the mental issues uh, that uh, employee bases are dealing with. And Forbes uh, had a great article on this. And, uh, and if anybody wants to go look that up, the name of the article was Managers Have Major Impact on Mental Health and how to lead for well-being. Uh, and so that was in Forbes magazine. So if you want to take a look at that on your own yep. time. But that's a real big thing right now. You're seeing a lot of discussion about mental health now. And I think, you know, the pandemic obviously brought that, you know, to the forefront. But, uh, but yeah, leadership, uh, I think, is a big one. I think which leads to growth and innovation, which leads to digital transformation. You've got to transform your services and output digitally. Uh, and, and you got to continually invest in digital transformation to meet the changing needs of our, you know, of your members. And that includes having a mobile banking app, having online banking and, you know, uh, remote deposit capture and just, re- you know, deposit remotely. Uh, yep. All of these, you've got, it's not, I mean, the, the, now, you know, Right now, they're have-tos. You know, if you're not doing it, you're probably dying a slow death. And then collaboration is so important. Uh, if you're if you're a medium-sized, smaller credit union, you've got to look for those outside the industry that can help infuse some of these new competencies there to help you grow. And, and because, listen, 
Your community needs you. I can't emphasize that enough. Our communities and our membership need your community, need your credit union to be viable and relevant and healthy and strong. And this helps you do that. Another uh, opportunity is, uh, is an emphasis on financial education. And, uh, a lot of credit unions have been trying to do this, uh, through, you know, in-person workshops. But I think the new way of doing that is it's got to be digital. It's got to be online. It's got to be on demand because so, so many people today are so busy that they don't have time to peel away to come to your credit union or third party place, physical location and be taught financial education. Uh, so uh, another one of my recommendations is, um, is to do that digitally. And there are companies out there right now that, that can do that for you, help you build out this financial mm. education online. And then uh, product innovation is so important. You know, you've got to develop your own products and new products that are relevant because once you start getting into data, uh, building out your data response, data integration, data companies, data mining, uh, predictive analytics, uh, you're going to see new product opportunities. Uh, mm-hmm. so th- those, those would be the, those would be the main ones. There are a couple of other ones, but, but those would be the main ones at this point. Yep. Very, very well said. Uh, I see that there's a theme there. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, um, there really is. And, uh, yeah. but you, but you don't see a lot of, uh, managers and credit unions talking about these things. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're fortunate to work with several that are, um, that are looking ahead and, and applying, you know, tapping into expertise to, to, you know, to deploy a data driven strategy and go to market and those kind of things. Right. That's, that's always helpful. So, so DG, we've talked about, you know, wide ranging. And as we, we, we draw close to the end, uh, you know, maybe if you could go back to yourself, maybe as that young credit union executive just joining at a hundred million or even further back in a college, knowing what you know now, what, what's some advice you'd give to your younger self? Um, I would, I would tell myself to relax. Uh, I, I, I'm a type A and I'm a driver and, uh, I love the sense of accomplishment. I love s- starting things that aren't there. Uh, but, but, you know, I realize now that worry never solved a problem or enhanced a strategy. So I would tell myself to relax. And then uh, I would probably tell myself also to lower my expectations. Uh, I've always had high expectations for myself and those around me, uh, because, uh, you know, they talk about the, um, you know, we, we develop a culture of low expectations, but there's a balance there. And I yeah. had to realize that, you know, not everybody cares as deeply as I do. So that would mm-hmm. be probably a, a, the second thing I'd tell myself. And then, I, uh, then probably I would, the last thing I would tell myself is the importance of telling myself the truth. You know, so much of our lives are lived in our heads and we're talking to each other all the time. But sometimes lies get into your head and you have to sort through those lies and get back to the truth and focus on the truth and not the feeling of things. So I think those would probably be the three things. Relax, lower my expectations, and tell myself the truth. 
Yeah. That's yeah. Spot on. And, um, yeah, I heard another, uh, executive talk about how, um, very few people will care as much as the CEO or the leadership team or the, or the board. And so, and, and part of that is just to your point earlier about, um, skills, gifting perspective. And so I, I've had to learn too, to not be frustrated with that, but recognize that's just reality. Yeah. And, and to, I, your, to your point about telling truth, that's, that's a fact. And so trying not to bang my head against the wall, but to understand, okay, just because somebody doesn't care as much as I do, doesn't mean they don't care. They care in a different way. Correct. And how to, how to motivate and, 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 and enhance and affirm you know, all the different skills and talents on the team, that's, you know, back to you, that's, that's kind of essential leadership. Yeah. And, you know, I want to talk to all the people out there who understand and recognize that they have the gift of vision. Um, yeah. that, that's one of the gifts that I have. I didn't understand the gift of vision in my 20s, early mm-hmm. 30s. I just remember being frustrated about, I could see, I could see out into the future about what we needed to be doing today and could not understand why others did not share that and, and did not want to, you know, because you're dealing with a lot of apathy, you know, in, in certain ranks, you know, don't, don't mess with what I'm doing. I'm, I'm real yeah. happy with the way things are uh, yeah. and, and don't mess with the status quo. And I used to get frustrated with that. So, but now I understand that. And so I'm not frustrated by it anymore. I understand that those of us who have the gift of vision have to go out front and we have, and I always used to tell my team, that those of us with the gift of vision, we carry a machete. And what we do is we stand at the precipice of a forest where there is no trail. And our role is to take the, is to take the machete and hack a trail that others mm-hmm. behind us walk through unobscured. But for those of us with the gift of vision, we're the ones that get poked in the face by the branch. We get cut by the briar at, at the floor, uh, nicked and bruised. Uh, because we're out front, and uh, and I, I didn't understand that in my early days, and maybe that's something else I would add. I would tell my younger self uh, about, but uh, but understanding that role and that that's your role, and that most people don't have that, don't understand it, but they but they gladly let you do that, and they they gladly will follow you a nice carved out path that you've set before them, and that's part of leadership. What a great way to end, to wrap up. DG, thanks so much for showing up, coming on the show, sharing your wisdom and perspective and experience. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Glad. Thank you so much for having me on. And uh, let's make sure that credit unions are growing and innovating. Well said. That's it for today on Top Quartile. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Top Quartile wherever you find podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, we'd really appreciate a five-star rating. And if you're interested in getting an opportunity assessment, head over to infusionmarketinggroup.com to learn more. Thanks for listening.